It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, August 31st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that was so happy to see Oscar Lindblom out there in warm-ups. Yeah, that was a big surprise, to be honest. It was. They kind of teased it on social media and everybody got excited. And I think everybody also kind of realized pretty quickly that it was probably just a warm-ups thing. But still, it's it's uh, good, to, good to see him out there with the team. Speaking of social media, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. Send us questions for our weekly mailbag or just tell us what your Flyers playoff thoughts are. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Danielle. And today we are going to recap the weekend's two games that were played Saturday and Sunday, and then follow up from the strike. There were some interesting statements, interviews, comments from some of the players and Aileen Vigneault, so we'll talk about that. And then it's Monday, so of course we will have our nemesis of the week. You can get Locked On Flyers anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all those fun places. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day. All right. So, Danielle, I guess we got to talk about these two games, don't we? Yeah. Weekend hockey was not good for us. It was not. Uh, of course, on Saturday, the Flyers losing 3-1, to one, and then Sunday last night losing 3-2. to two. But let's be real, it felt like 3-1. to one. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that last-minute goal was uh, kind of a fluky thing. But that being said, I, I, I do think that they were two very different kinds of losses, and, you know, I almost felt better about the one on Saturday only because uh, they played well in the first period, but then were just universally bad. So it was easy to say, like, oh, they just really stunk up the joint. And that is why they lost. But I think, you know, the the Sunday game was a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think the Sunday game kind of just, like, stomped out any hope that I might have for the series just um just because I think that we're far into the series there's no more excuses for people we might have been making excuses for and I really can't complain about the lineup it's it's not any of those things because we've seen so many different variations of lines and you know everyone has gotten their time and it's just not clicking like, we're just not getting the goals that we need. I don't think it's the Islanders goaltending that's just, like, phenomenal. I mean, Grice did play really, really well Sunday, but the Flyers also should have been able to solve him. Yeah, like, I, I'm not, I, I don't think that he stole the game for them. No, I don't think so at all. Um, we had the same lineup, essentially, for both games, and it it just feels like, I think to your point about lack of hope, that it, it this team just has not figured out how to adjust to a team like the Islanders. 
And if you can't adjust by this point, you never will. Yeah. And I also think that this team is just not going to get to the to the point where they play like they did in the round robins. That's just not happening. No. Um, you know, we got spurts of it. Like you said, the first period in game three was really good, but then that was it. I felt like the first, I'd say 10 minutes maybe of um, the first period in game four, the Flyers were really dominating. Um, maybe not 10 minutes, maybe five. And then the second period, I thought they, um, you know, they, I, I believe they outshot the Islanders 17 to three. Um, yeah, they looked great. They're, they're, and it was just, it really was game four was just like whoever had the momentum. And at the end, it just wasn't the Flyers. No. And, you know, I think they, they just had some real defensive problems. <laughs> I think in both games, it's a little bit of an understatement, I know. But, I mean, oh my God, Matt Niskanen. Ah, brutal. The the last two goals were just defensive breakdowns on him. And then the Flyers are now flipping the puck up, um, and they're just not getting it high enough. Like, it, it really just seems like more, I guess, more game three than game four. But it was like these little breakdowns. Like, just the smallest breakdowns ended up in the back of the the net for the Flyers. Yeah, and, you know, it was talked about pretty extensively out there about Game 3 that the the Flyers just were not in motion enough to be able to create lanes and create passing opportunities for themselves. And I feel like even though they were better in game four, they still had that problem to some degree because I I think that was part of the problem was that the defensemen had nowhere to go Mm -hmm. with the puck. And so whatever they tried was getting picked off. Yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely I I agree with you on that. You know, it's it is so disheartening, especially when the Flyers defense was rock solid throughout most of the regular season. I mean, there were problems for sure, but not like consistent problems the mm-hmm. the way we've seen it since the playoffs proper started. And it's just been so baffling. I mean, I know we keep saying this, but it's just given how everything was to just fall apart like that. Just, it just seems unimaginable three weeks ago. I mean, I definitely think that's true but you know in a series where your opponent gets to analyze your weaknesses and exploit them it's not I guess to me it's not that surprising you know because I think the Flyers when you don't really when you're not playing them like five times in a row they can get you and they can you know the Sandheim and Myers pairing and then the Provian Niskanen pairing can um, play really well but then when you when you can look at their weaknesses and key in on those or they're forced to do, you know, make different plays that they normally wouldn't uh, to adjust to your system. They just make more mistakes that you can exploit. And I felt like, you know, as much as I praised the Myers and Sandheim pairing, them being out against the Beauvillier line, you know, it's like some games they win and some games they don't. And it seems like more often than not, it's they're not winning those games. Yeah, that that is definitely true. And I, I think that, you know, it could be that this lack of 
of any consistent playoff experience over the last X number of years is coming up to bite them because they they don't know how to play in a series format that they're better off in a one-off you know what like eases over defensive breakdowns scoring goals and we just haven't gotten enough of that from the guys that we you would think would be scoring the goals it's true I I will say in in game four it's not for lack of trying I I so I, I feel like at least some of the guys that have been getting called out recently, Claude Giroux most specifically, I mean, he w- he was just doing everything he could. I feel like Farabee was doing everything he could. Konechny, you could tell, was so frustrated. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not trying to call them out by saying that. I'm just stating a facts. Like, you know, what eases over the defensive breakdowns is, you know, when you score a goal and it's just not happening. And I'm not saying that they're not trying and I'm not like, like, I don't want to call any of them out specifically. It just, it's just glaringly obvious, especially when Islanders, their key guys are scoring goals and making plays and setting up their line mates. It's just, you know, that just seems to be what's missing right now. Yeah. So speaking of the like forwards was was there any bright spots for you in either of these games um well we did talk about how we saw oscar on sunday (laughs) (laughs) no i you know i i don't know if it's so much as a bright spot or if it's just like a sick joke that the lawton line was the best line on saturday um I don't know if I would say it was the best line on Sunday, but, you know, after the third line being such a liability in the game before, and then for the next game, for them to be the best line for the Flyers was just a little ironic. It was. Uh, I mean, to their credit, they worked really hard. They I mean, nobody else did. They worked their butts off on that game on Saturday. And and I would say, you know, Tyler Pitlick had two really good games yeah. in a row yeah. and was everywhere. And again, he was making up for his mistakes, which he always mm-hmm. does, and you know, back checking and, you know, was always involved in the play, moving ahead through the neutral zone into the offensive zone and was just a, a really good presence overall. It just... I just wish the other lines. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, even I thought that Lawton looked a lot better. Um, Surprised Mm -hmm. that he looked good at three at three C, even though it was it must have uh, really pained AV to put him in that position. But he looked good. I thought JVR, you could definitely tell he was trying so much, Um, even in, in on Sunday. And it just like a lot of his teammates, the puck was just not going in the net. Yeah. So I don't know about you, Danielle, but playoff hockey is kind of stressful and I want a snack to help me through the stress, but I don't want something that's unhealthy or it's going to have too many calories. And Built Bar is the perfect, perfect snack for that occasion. It's a soft protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar and they're so good. There's different flavors for everybody and I love some of these six new flavors that they've got. 
My favorite, I think, is carrot cake, but I also like lemon almond cheesecake and apple almond crisp. Yeah, I'm with you. I love cookies and cream because I eat it at night, so it's like a nice little dessert. But oh it, yeah, like instead of ice cream, exactly. But it's healthy because Built Bar is great if you're looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. It's a crazy, amazing combination of low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and it's great if you are even like on a keto diet. So if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like Nate Thompson was less, slightly less of a liability in game four. I don't think he had as much ice time. No, I, I, I agree. I definitely agree with you. I just felt like I still was terrified because it always seemed like he was out against the Barzell line. Right. And obviously, um, you know, that Barry Trotz had the last change. So he this was a matchup he was probably looking for, not AV looking for that. But it's it still took a couple um, years off my life, I would say. That's fair. And Barzal also just looked really good in this game and was just like skating circles around the Flyers. I just felt like they weren't challenging him enough. Yeah, I that's fair. I just know whatever happens um, in the series, I will be happy not to watch Barzell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do we think Brian Elliott did? You know, I thought he looked great in the beginning. And then the last two goals seemed a little soft for me. Yeah, I think the go-ahead goal to make it 2-1 wasn't great. That squeaking through the five hole like that. That was a little bit more on Elliott. I thought it was more on the defensive breakdown for the third goal, for sure. That's fair. Like, I mean, the second one, he just pushed it in himself, kind of. He just, like, fell, and it was pushed in off of him. So you're kind of like, what? I would say that, you know, not just Flyers Islanders, but overall the officiating in the playoffs has been suspect at best. And it's kind of a crapshoot as to what they're going to call versus Mm -hmm. just let go. It seemed like in game four that they were just going to let it go. Because, you know, there weren't a lot of calls here. But I thought that that one missed call when Voracek just got hammered Mm -hmm. was really unfortunate. It was an obvious call to make. And then, of course, the Islanders go ahead and score going up 2-1 on the next series of plays. And it's like it's hard to get bogged down and complaining about officiating. But I want to get bogged down and complain about that particular non-call yeah no I, I think that's fair I will say one question mark that I have is the potential of Michael Roffel coming back into the game 
I know that he did not skate in warm-ups last night, so I think that meant he was unavailable to play. He might be hurt, and that concerns me just because I feel like he is a spark that lights up any particular line he's on, and to have him out these past two games, I think, you know, it's not the end-all be-all. I mean, it's Michael Roffel, but that being said, you know, who knows? He's He's been known to score some goals every now and again, and that's what we're looking for. So, um, A, I hope he's okay, and B, I hope we see him on Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it has to be an injury, right? Like, there's no way it's yeah. his play that makes him not eligible. So, um, like you said, I hope he he is healthy enough to play um, because he is a difference maker and he just helps the team when he's in the lineup. But yeah. So moving away from the Flyers playoff games, we have to talk a little bit about some of the follow-up from the players strike. That of course was the reason for the delay in the last couple games. Uh, There was a, press conference on Friday that included Matt Niskanen, JVR, Claude Giroux, and Scott Lawton. And it it was an interesting press conference. I think part of the issues following the stoppage of the games, I think the media in Philly got themselves into a little bit of a pickle over the weekend, the first problem of which was Sam Carcitti asking a hockey-related question as, like, the very first question in that press conference. Not even that it was a hockey-related question, just that, like, the way he phrased it. It was like, yeah, let's, like, put all the social justice stuff away. Like, let's not even talk about that. Um, Let's get to hockey. And it was just, like, kind of like, geez, dude. Like, it was just so insensitive. But, I mean... Are we surprised? It's Sam Crutchy. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, well attempt to apologize for it, but I really think the damage was done. He got roasted, I think, across the board in terms of, you know, hockey, sports, media, and fans alike. Yeah, he deserved it, in my opinion. <laughs> that was incredibly insensitive and just rude. It was. In that press conference, though, it was it was good to hear from some of those players. I think that, you know, unfortunately, JVR answered the question from Sam pretty straightforwardly, you know, as a hockey question, which diverted attention from kind of the purpose of having the media availability to talk about social justice and Black Lives Matter and it kind of changed the tone and so the rest of them just kind of had some boring hockey answers for most of the time. I think that Matt Niskanen did a really good job in deflecting the question about Alain Vigneault and his insensitive comments from the previous day about not paying attention to any of these issues at all and he was basically like you know you got to ask AV about that. And Scott Lawton, I think, went into a little bit more detail about his you know, conversations with Chris Stewart. And there was a write-up on NHL.com about that. And we will link to that in our show notes. W- was there anything else in that press conference that stood out to you? 
Uh, you know, I feel bad to say it, but like, no, I, I really didn't want to watch the press conference. Um, uh, we have here in the show notes of Kate Fries, uh, she had a thread of the transcripts of the answers that the players had, and I skimmed through that, but nothing really that, I mean, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing that I was just like, that stood out to me in a good way. Um, so I really don't have any like specific answers for you. I feel, I feel bad, but yeah, that overall I wasn't, um, happy at, with what the Flyers, uh, players said or, or anything like that. Yeah. I, I felt there was, you know, a certain amount lacking in their comments, but at the same time, I'm trying to give them a benefit of the doubt, even though I'm not sure they deserve it in terms of, you know, what are they talking about behind the scenes? Claude Giroux vaguely mentioned conversations that he's had over the past few months, including with his wife, Ryan. And so, it, you know, it seems like there are conversations being had, but like to this point, like nobody's actually saying anything that they've learned or plan to do, which is kind of frustrating. And I, I think that's been a lot of the sentiment about the flyers in this situation yeah you're right i mean it kind of a lot of the answers were just um similar to what they said a few months ago and that's disheartening because um you know when they say they're listening and they're learning uh you expect um maybe like different reactions and you you really didn't get any any different answers so Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So then Alan Vigneault came back on Saturday with a follow-up statement uh, which was, I think, a bit controversial. There were some people that, you know, kind of took it at face value and assumed it was an apology, which it sort of was, but I don't know. He, he, you know, tried to describe why he had or what his schedule was like in order to defend himself from not paying attention to what had been going on in the world and it it just it came off as pretty self-serving and at least in my opinion disingenuous yeah I mean like he said what he said like obviously he I don't know I don't want to say he doesn't care about this and but I mean it really doesn't seem like he he cares it doesn't affect him so that's not something that's on his radar just worldly issues just what's going on outside he doesn't focus on that and that's just like what I took from his first comments I didn't really need a follow-up but I guess he felt or Flyers PR felt like he needed to um because a lot of people took what he said um took offense to what he said um I didn't like what he said, but I, I didn't, I felt like he said what he said. Like, I didn't need a, a follow-up because I felt like he did more harm than good in his follow-up. So <laughs> it was kind of just like, yeah, I, I guess you needed to say that, but. Yeah. I, I just found that it, um, like one particular quote from it where he says, I am guilty of not checking up on what 
was going on in the world in the NBA, but I am a good person. I believe in equality. I believe in social justice. I want to be part of the solution. I want to help society in any way that I can. And, you know, again, on its surface, it sounds good. It sounds like he's admitting some fault here. But at the same time, like, if you have to say you're a good person in a statement, there's a problem. (laughs) And secondarily, he... You know, he says he believes in equality and social justice. But what issues are we talking about here? He doesn't mention racial equality. He doesn't mention Jacob Blake's name, which was the impetus for the NBA strike that kind of flowed down to other leagues. And so it just doesn't show any effort in at least getting a one sentence summary of what the issue was that led to the games being canceled. And so it's it's hard to like dismiss that and say he's not just still behaving as though he has this privilege to not pay attention. Well, I mean, I think that that's pretty clear that he does. He just has this privilege where it's it's I mean, this was not this was not important to him. Um and I think that much is clear and he's only saying all this because he feels attacked and he feels like he needs to explain himself. And when he explained himself, again, like he still doesn't get the point. And I think that you have here the Marcus Hayes article. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Like Hayes brought up so many valid points in his article about what AV said and, uh, and what, how that was wrong and how that could rub people the wrong way. And you saying you're a good person doesn't (laughs) convince me that you're a good person. Like you saying that is just something that makes you feel better at night. And we're not here to make you feel better. His comments were so frustrating. And I just feel like every time I think about it, I get more and more frustrated. But I definitely think if Anyone listening hasn't read the Marcus Hayes article, you should. Um, He makes a ton of really valid points. He really does. And we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. And just want to call out a couple of questions that Marcus asked at the end of his article, including why did it take him 48 hours to address the initial bad comments? And, And then what did he think about the delay from of the games? And did he believe that the delay would affect the team? You know, and Marcus says that, you know, this is what holds Alan Mourinho accountable. And that's exactly right. So again, please read that full article, though, and just think about like what questions that you would want to ask as a follow up, but were not able to be asked because he just got up and left the table immediately after his statement. All right. So it's Monday, so once again, it's time for our nemesis of the week. And for those of you that might be newer to the show, every Monday we identify who or what in hockey is our pure enemy for the upcoming week. Last week, of course, we said that it was the Islanders as a whole. And, you know, that still holds true this week, but I think there's a couple more specific options we can go for. So I'll throw a couple of them out there and see what you think, Danielle. I think first on my list is Brock Nelson. Ugh. What a punchable <laughs> face this guy has. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, his, God, he's awful. Yeah. I could also throw out there Thomas Grice. Yeah. That's a good uh, one. Yeah. 
And then just Matt Barzal, just because he's annoyingly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd punch him too. <laughs> yeah, I'd punch him too. I mean, let's be real. There's there's not a lot. I can't, I'm trying to think of an Islander that isn't punchable, and I'm having a little difficulty. I could name two, but that's it. Um, I would just throw in J.G. Paggio. Oh, yeah. Just because enough. Enough. Enough with that guy. <laughs> like, I am. Yeah. On the other hand, I could throw out another couple names that are nemesis. Let's say Matt Niskanen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. And then uh, finally, I think my last option for the week is Alain Vigneault. <laughs> oh, yeah. A.V. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. That fits. Yeah. So do you have any top contender there that should be our actual nemesis of the week? You know, we didn't say this guy and, you know, is it, is it a Locked on the Flyers episode without me saying Anders Lee? Like, <laughs> I just, just, just go with the captain. <laughs> but sure. I mean, everyone that you said on the Islanders is pretty valid for the actual nemesis. Yeah, no, I mean, Anders Lee is a good one. I think the hockey media have been blowing a lot of smoke in his direction. Oh, for sure. And it's irritating me to no end. Yes. Like, yeah. I Before the game start, they did like a quick little five-minute ode to Anders Lee and Matt Barzell, which is just like too much. All right. It, it is decided. It's Anders Lee and Matt Barzell then. <laughs> there we go. Co-nemeses of there the week. We yes. All right. We should wrap up on a little bit more of a positive note. So we'll circle back to the beginning of the episode with Oscar Lindblom out there for warmups. And just be- right before warmups started, there were, you know, the fist bumps and whatnot in the locker room before they headed out there. And there was just a moment where Joel Farabee hugs Oscar Lindblom and it just melted my heart. So that's our Flyers fun thing for the day. Very fitting because we're all Joel in that situation. We are. All right. Thanks for listening to today's show. We'll be back again tomorrow with uh, any suggestions that we have to try and not get eliminated on Tuesday. As a reminder, we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas about what the Flyers can do to get back into this, uh, you can tweet us at LockedOnFlyers or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle, and you can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. Now, play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL, and have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.